mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. Episode 41. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And it is Ruth's second day of school. Happy second day, Ruth. It is a good second day because we are finally like having kids. Yeah. That whole like, let's go back to school and just look at our colleagues for a week and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just need some kids. Yeah. So we're going to talk about how Ruth's first day went. I have not heard, so I'm excited to hear it. I did get one text in the middle of oh. the day that was cool. Um, I've been working on divisibility rules with the teacher, so we're going to talk about that. And Ruth has a question that she is pondering that we're going to pose to you all. And then if we have time, we'll talk about integers because that's what you're going to do first. So, yes, this is this is like legit how a run goes for us. You know, right. like we have a list of things we need to talk about. And so this is going to be a really authentic here. You have a list of things and only four miles to talk about. It. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> Which means, oh, yeah, we should look at what time it is because you have to be back sooner. OK, got it. So how's your first day, Ruth? So it was pretty awesome. Um, I just well, always in sixth grade. We put all the students together for the first class, and we just do all the things. Like, this is where you check in at the office if you're tardy, and this is how your resource period goes, and this is what you do during a fire drill. All the things that every teacher has to do. But what kid wants to hear those six times? So we just put them all in a room. We introduce ourselves as teachers, and I'm the nominated talks person, and so... <laughs> The kids just have to listen for one class period. Meet your teachers and all the things. Well, Homework. That's kind of brilliant. Lockers. Yeah. So then that's our first period elective. We just take their elective from them the first day. And okay. then um, they meet their elective teachers. So then you have all your classes and you get to like do something that's just math. And so in my class, I did not want to overwhelm them with paperwork. And I mean, there's a couple things you have to do. You have to put away your school supplies and you have to get locker combinations mm -hmm. because today will be the day that they can't remember their combination. And they've written it down yeah. for you yesterday. Yeah. But we just played. So I introduced my flexible seating. Okay. I gave them a little bit of, this is the first time I've done this, so you are the class to make it or break it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't mess Do it up. Do you have enough... enough? Hey, y'all, that's me. <laughs> Do you have enough... Um... Do you have enough seats? Like, did you end up with what you wanted? I... So I have three tables that have padded office wheelie chairs. Cool. And then I have seven... I don't even know how to describe it. It's a desk. It's the chair with the desk attached to okay. it on wheels that spins. Okay, cool. So I could say, go over there to that group. Uh -huh. But you could also sit in my class and just spin and spin right. and spin. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I have two stand-up tables, and I have six regular desks with blue chairs. Okay. I don't even know where I read this, but it was brilliant for flexible seating. Every kid has a number according to my roster, uh -huh. and yesterday was 
today's the 22nd of August, so that's an even day. So anyone with an even roster number gets to pick their seat first. Okay, cool. So hopefully that's going to eliminate the, like, sprint out of one class and into the next class yeah. to get the chair you want. Yeah. Um, and I addressed it at the beginning, and I feel like sometimes if you can address things at the beginning of the year, they really know that it's important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to see. Yeah. What are you hoping to accomplish by the flexible seating? Like, what's your reasoning for doing it? Um, so I listened to... Oh, you're going to ask. I can't remember the name of the podcast. I'm going to have to find it, put it in the show notes. But it's like teachers still need to learn something along those lines. Okay. Um, Sorry to the guy who did it. But he is interviewing teachers in his school, and one of the teachers he interviewed did flexible seating. Mm -hmm. And she just talked about how giving the students a choice really does help them take responsibility for their learning. Hmm. And so she gives them choices in lots of things. And that's really what I want to do. So you can choose where you want to sit. You can choose who you want to sit with. Mm -hmm. But then if it's not an option that's helping you learn, I'm going to change that choice. Yeah. Um, I did a flip grid at Open House and said, hold the flip grid. Tell me what your name is and what you're most excited about. Mm Mm-hmm. And if I were to create a line, a, a line graph yeah. of what my responses were. Or I guess a bar graph since it's categorical data. I don't, well, it's categorical data, but a, the bar graph would be like 90%. That bar would be so much bigger that said freedom. Uh, pie, pie chart. Pie chart, yeah. There we go. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um, I don't have to walk in a line. I get yeah. to choose, you huh. know. Which they love that, but then on the first day, they're like, are you going to take us to our class? Because I don't know where I'm going. Ah, they're yeah. really nervous about all that freedom. Yeah. So um, anyways, after we did, they chose their seats and listened to my whole thing. Then we took pictures inside my frame that I made that said, I'm a math person. Mm-hmm. And I explained to them why they're a math person. And then we just played. And I just walked around and listened to them. So we played with cues and air rods. Uh-huh. We played with magnetic cues and air rods on cookie sheets. Cool. Nobody picked up on, hey, look, my purple and your purple match up to make, you know, nobody yeah. thought, figured out it was the same tool. Right. Um, just bigger. Your magnetic ones are bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know what else I – I don't know what the other toys are. I have lots of magnetic things that I bought mm-hmm. at yard sale mm-hmm. that they got to play with and just design things. And then I have my bulletin board for math fails. And I had these two boys who every time they rotated to a new station to play with the new toy just sat and looked at the bulletin board and really wanted to figure out what the math fails was in every single picture. So oh. I printed Sarah's – um folder sarah carter sarah vanderwerf okay okay so i she has a folder of like i love wait i love how you're on a first name basis i yeah. just need to say that <laughs> you know sarah and i were, sarah, were talking the other okay. day and she said this folder <laughs> stuff is gonna be great for your class okay i don't know what you're talking about you don't know what i'm talking no. about no so she has collected over the years math fails they are pictures from oh got it legitimate stores that people have taken like who did this why is this listed? Like, 
this car, um, I'm going to get some examples. Like the car is now $20,997 down from $17,895. Yeah. And like your, your, uh, McDonald's biscuit or whatever yeah, that was. Seventy four hundredths of a cent. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So one of them on there is a who wants to be a millionaire question. Okay. And it says which one of these square numbers is the sum of two smaller square numbers, and you don't know it's a math fail unless you figure out what the sum are and notice that none of them are there. Oh. And so I got to have a conversation with these kids, these two boys. About square numbers, and we just so happened to have some magnetic squares. He cool. was like, that was so cool, Missy. And I'm like, go home and tell your mom what you learned on the first day of school. Yeah. I find out he's the kid whose mom at Open House said, um, my son was in an advanced class last year, and now he's not. So how are you going to challenge him? Woo! Let yeah. me tell you, day one, he's going to learn about square numbers. <laughs> Mic drop. That's awesome. I mean, I didn't even know it was the same kid until yeah. later. Yeah. So it was pretty awesome. Um, lots of kids just played and were like, is that all? That's all. Yeah. See you tomorrow. Yeah. So today we're going to do Sarah Vanderwerf's um, hundredth the hundred numbers. Okay. And we're going to establish what group work looks like. Okay. And we talked about that in the last mm-hmm. episode, if you're so. curious what that looks like. And then Friday, our principal said, no kids are going to go to classes. We have planned get to know you activities and we're going to, you're going to play with us, but we're going to keep them the whole day. Wow. Yeah. So it's like a little sixth grade retreat. The point is you're meeting people that you wouldn't typically sit with or, you know, because yeah. he's going to change the groups all day long. So yeah. I'm excited. Cool. And then Monday, you said pre-assessment, right? So, yes, I have a week. I got to get that pre-assessment yeah. <laughs> to be copied. But, yes, we're going to do the pre-assessment. I actually talked to my supervisor, and she's really on board with how I'm just doing something different in nice. sixth grade. Not that she's surprised yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> she's on board. Good. Good. So, that so how many of these students um, – kind of thinking you know our, our daughter is also um in sixth grade this year yeah. and a lot of new stuff how many of these students i guess like knew each other they all came from fifth grade together i mean i'm sure you have some new kids that have come in but is it like a big group of kids that all know each other and so i wonder how much how much of getting into sixth grade or, or meeting and getting to know new people so there's a hundred and nine students in sixth grade this year and it's kind of really cool that I don't know yeah who was here last year and who wasn't um but I'm gonna guess that probably 25 of them are new to the school but I also know that in fifth grade they're in a class of 20 mm-hmm And they're with those 20 all day long. They have to eat lunch at their class table. They get to play at recess together, but that's the only time they've interacted. And all of us know that it's just human nature to find your little group of friends or the person that you hang out with and then just get stuck, you know? So we um, took them outside yesterday after lunch for like, 15 minutes. And I was like, everyone has to meet someone new right now. 
It doesn't matter if you met them in your class today. You have to go meet someone new. And guys, they didn't know how to do that. Hmm. So I had to bring them all back in. I was like, this is how you meet someone new. (laughs) You find someone that you don't know and you go up to them and you say, hi, my name is. And they will tell you your name. And then you have to figure out something about them. And then you can go play. Maybe you're going to play with them or maybe you're going to go meet someone new. But everyone has to meet someone new. And you just watch. And you see, like, the painfully shy kids just wish this day was over. And then I have (laughs) that, you know, new little boy that I didn't know was new until he came to me. And he was like, it is really hard being the only one who doesn't know anyone. Like, you don't know anyone. Let's see what we can do about that. And so, lucky for me, I have... My nephew, who's a sixth grader this year, was like, let me introduce you to someone. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, I said, can he stay with you and can you take him and can you introduce him to three more friends before you get in inside? And so at the end of the day, he was just like, thank you. Like, you can tell he's an outgoing kid, but this was just a huge transition for him. Yeah. It's hard to – somebody said, you shouldn't make your friend groups a circle. You should make them a you. So there's always room for someone to join. Cool. I mean, that's a really hard skill as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sixth graders are like, they don't even even know that they're in a friend group. What? What are you talking about? Speaking from the looking at the one in my own house. Um, You also did name tense, right? Can you talk about that? Oh, I did. Hmm. Sarah Vanderwerf. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. so maybe you should put her name up right underneath your name right. on the door. Yeah, <laughs> teachers in this room are Ruth in, and Sarah, inspired and just by, Sarah, right? Yeah, yeah just, just Sarah. Sarah. No one needs to know who. Anyways, so name tents are write your name on both sides of this folded piece of paper, and inside finish this prompt. Math is blank. Write a sentence telling me why you think that. And I was like, you can be honest. You can tell me whatever you think about math, and. It is about an hour before I have to have these all finished. (laughs) I've done one class, (laughs) but I'll get them done because I am answering back. And so I'm trying to answer back with a question. Like a lot of kids wrote math is fun because it's in real life. And so I'm like, I totally agree. Can you give me an example of when you've used math in real life? Um, Math is hard. Because yeah. it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. That's, their sentence. That's true. There we go. Um, so I reply back to that. I'm really going to take it as a challenge to maybe change your mind about math in general this uh-huh. year. Um, math is a gift oh. because God gave it to us. Um, math is created by God because my teacher just told me that. Uh-huh. To which I said, you can't always believe everything you hear. Open scripture and figure out for yourself, huh. because we can't believe everything math teacher is going to hear, going to say, because the big number is not always in the house, and the big number doesn't always come first in a subtraction problem. And math teachers also make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was good. So, is today's going to be as is today's place where they have to write a prompt like that, or they can? Is it a can tell me anything one? So today is ask me any question. Okay. And I'm probably going to change it to also tell me something that you want me to know about you. Okay. But you also have that question down there that I ask you. Okay. Yeah. So there's a little bit more interaction today. Yeah. And then I don't know that I'm going to see them on Friday 
So we might have to finish our name tents on Monday. Yeah. Um, Sarah Vanderwerf says she does hers for a whole week, but I felt like a three-day week was a good place to start this. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, should I talk about divisibility rules? You should talk about divisibility rules. So I have been working with a teacher um, and her pacing guide is starting with prime and composite numbers. And so she did um, a lesson on, you know, kind of introducing the idea with making arrays. How many different arrays can you make with these squares? And introduced the idea of prime and composite. I don't think it was brand new to her kids either. I, um, I think that they had, you know, heard it, but maybe didn't have a firm grasp on it. And so we were thinking together about what was next. And to me, divisibility rules are next because I, like, if, if the, if the goal is identify a number as prime or composite, like, that's the way that I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I'm not memorizing the prime numbers. Um, There's a it, really cool song. Yeah. To memorize prime. Prime. P-R-I-M-E. <laughs> yes, that one. We'll link it. Um, I, why don't you just sing it for us right no, now? Only, only divisible. One and me. Two, three, five, seven, eleven. Yeah. Ruth knows them all, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I don't even have them all memorized. You do. I do because I use them regularly. Like if I'm running... And I'm counting like I can go up this hill in 20 steps. Sometimes I just count by prime numbers instead of 1 to 20. Oh, my word. <laughs> uh, wow. My daughter had, is, is memorizing all the perfect squares through 400. 400, yeah. And she has done it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, so, well, let me just ask you about that choice. Like, does that choice make sense to you that you would sort of introduce prime and composite and then go to divisibility rules? Or do you disagree with that? So I, I do. So I agree with it, but it's not what I do. Um, and I think it's just for a sake of time Mm -hmm. because of the stage being in sixth grade. I feel like you have to already have had that. So I'm going to give you this short, small review. Okay. But maybe I'm seeing the benefit in it. Tell me about how you're going to teach it and then. Right. So what we did was um, I used Berkeley Everett's website, which Math Visuals, I think is Mm -hmm. the name of it. And he has these really cool PDFs with arrays, lots and lots of different arrays that you're supposed to look at them and break them into chunks and that sort of help you figure out multiplication facts if you don't know them so by seeing parts of them so anyway i went there and i snipped a bunch of things and made almost like number cards that i was that was on my smart board so like for 15 i had an array had the number and then under it there was an array of dots that was 15 going across. And then I wrote beside it one times 15. And then underneath of that, there was an array of three by five and it, and I wrote three by five dots. And then I wrote three by five. So I had, I think 10 numbers on the smart board with the, all of the possible arrays under them. So it was like really busy, but I had to pick that many because I wanted to use them through all of the divisibility rules. So I had to have some prime numbers and some numbers divisible by three, but not six and some, you know, numbers divisible by um, five, but not 10, all that kind of thing. So first I just, oh my gosh, this 
podcast is sponsored by Sarah Vanderwerf because first, just kidding. First, I not really, I but maybe it ought to be. Gave them a printout of that slide where all those numbers were that I had picked with all the arrays and asked and did a stand and talk with mm. them. Um, and and the reason I'm saying her name is because she's the one who was says like give them something to in their hands to talk about when they stand and talk. So they noticed and wondered about what was there. And they, you know, one girl even said, I noticed that there are two prime numbers and eight composite numbers. And then you know, the teacher was like, Did you plant her? <laughs> but no, you know, they she saw it in the fact that the one the seven and then the eleven were the only ones with one array and the rest had more than one array. So it was it so was So I think there's merit in having exactly what numbers you used. Because okay. when you first told me this, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't following that you had strategically chosen okay. what numbers. I think that's really important. Okay. And obviously you were using the five practices when you were anticipating obviously. the um, student responses yeah, because you I was. chose. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I put some prime numbers on um, seven and 11, mainly because they wouldn't take up very much space. Um, then I have numbers divisible by two are 10, 16, 24, 18, 20, and 30. I'm going too fast here. Um, then I had to make sure that I probably added some to make sure I had some divisible by four. So out of those 16, 24, and 20. And, oh, I, I should mention, and I'll share this image. It's not like I, right. I won't have it. But I did. I should mention that I was strategic in, in the order that I showed the arrays. So, like, all the one, ones that have one as a factor and then all the ones that have two as a factor and then three and four going down like mm. that so that they might notice that the, the arrays are going from long into more square, okay? Um, then, okay, so for threes, the, the numbers divisible by three are 24 um, and 30. Those are the ones that I already had. And then you wanted to make sure that you have some um, odd multiples of three. Mm-hmm. So I added 15 and 27. Okay. Oh, 18. I didn't say that I one was before. Like there was a, a, there was a lot. Three. Yeah. And then fours. Did I already say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fives were 10, 15, 20 and 30. So I only have one of those, which ended in a five, but that turned out okay because when I sorted the numbers by, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but when I sorted them by tens, ones that were divisible by 10, the 15 was over there and we had to talk about why. And we, and a lot of teams did talk about that. Um, five sixes, I have 24 and 30 and then. And 18. Yep. And 18. Good. And then nines, I had to make sure I had something divisible by nine, which was 18. 27. 27. Thanks, Jay. You're doing great there. And then 10s were 10, 20, and 30. So there were at least three. I guess that was as I was making my my list. I mm-hmm. made sure there were at least three of every. So then what divisibility rules did you teach from this? So I think the order is important. I started with twos because right. they kind of know it, right? Mm-hmm. And then I went to fives because they also kind of know it. And then I went to tens because they know it too all of these they know but they are not necessarily able to articulate it in the way you'd want it to Mm -hmm. like say the word factor as part of it you know and then i went to four 
next. And I've changed what I've taught about this. I used to teach the one that said, if the last two digits are divisible by four, then the entire number is divisible by four. I've changed it because I think I got this from a student. I've changed it to, if you can split the number in half and half again, then it's divisible by four. And I find that... The entire number or the last two digits? The entire number. But in in our case, we're usually only ever working with because I mean, if you gave me a six-digit long number and I had to split in half right. and half again, yeah, I wouldn't be too happy. I know, and, and but usually they're they're only working but, with numbers under hundred. Like, hold on a okay. second. Take that six-digit number. If that six-digit number ends in a four, possibly you're going to split it in half, and it's going to either end in a two or a seven. And if you can do enough of it to know what the last digit is, then you know whether you can divide it in half again, right? Huh. That's a good point. Did you follow? Yeah, I followed. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think how much work. How much work is that? Yeah, like trying to figure out like those six digits. How far back do you? I guess you have. You know, trying to figure. But out, maybe you're going to use that, that divisibility rule of the last two digits. Yeah. Because if you can just. Is it that that rule is not always true, or you're just trying? To, there's a whole. There's another rule you're using. Well, it's because it's like they're going to get a number like eighty six. They don't, they're not quickly gotcha. able to figure out if 86 is divisible by four. I know I'm going to go to 80 and then go 84, 88. Okay, it's not divisible by four, yeah. but they're not there yet. But they can split 86 in half and go, it's 43. Eh, nope, it's not going to work. Okay, I, I see what you, why, you're, why you've changed. Because that last two digits can still be a big number for them. Yeah, yeah. Past 40 and they're like, Psh, I got nothing. Also, this class of students has not learned all my skip counting songs. And I'm like, well, what's their problem? I know it's it's like I realize I'm I'm like to the point where I, I know why I teach skip counting songs every year because that's when you don't have a strategy that's a strategy to go to and mm-hmm. the freaking adding up six is or eight is so slow if they don't have a you know if they don't have it. Um, so I haven't. I don't think I've ever posted my skip counting songs on our podcast. I don't Wait. think you have either, because do, are they come in audio files? They don't yet. Am I? Are you gonna make me sing them and one day and then? I think that would be really good because I would like to use your skip counting songs, but I don't do well just taking your song off of a piece of paper and <laughs> okay. teaching it. All right. Are they well, not? Or are they separate from that old? So only Paramount some CD? of them. Only uh, some of them are there. Gotcha. I've. I've written new ones since the oh, last time no. I recorded something. I don't think something. on our rock and soul. Oh, gosh. There were skip counting songs. <laughs> so I, f- I found a, a, a you copy, have to ex- like an original somebody copy. Somebody explain what we're talking about. Of the Paramount CD. Like so in ago. Virginia, we have SOLs. And so we created Standards rock and of soul. Learning. Oh, yes. Just put a little tiny U in there. And it was Tracy and I's year of teaching fifth grade together. And we... Invited anyone who wanted to stay after school and sing all the songs that Tracy had written. I would like to say that we had written, but it was pretty much Tracy had written to help them remember all of their SOLs. So we sang songs about the ocean zones and... um, Regions of Virginia. The regions of Virginia, cell walls. Yeah. Everything. They just randomly pop into my head. Like, I can't listen to that song, Celebrate, without singing. Cells of plants have a cell wall. <laughs> cell wall. 
<laughs> yeah. Jay's like, let's move on quickly. So they sang the songs. Tracy and Jay, Jay being the music teacher, brought instruments, <laughs> recorded them. We were extra. That's what we were. That's what you call that, extra. It was cool. It was cool. They all got a CD to yeah. take home and study for their SOL. I was going to say, they, they enjoyed it because they had ownership. They were in those songs. They yeah. were on a CD. Yeah. That was big time. It was cool. And I still I still am like, you know, helping fifth grade teachers with things. And I'm like, wait, wait, let me remember my song. Okay, I know what the answer is here. <laughs> you know, I still use it. So it's good. Music is good. Okay. So we, we got really sidetracked there. Where were we? There will um, not be a link, though, to Rockets. No, <laughs> there will not. But there there might be a link to, if I, if I get brave, I might sing my, um, maybe I'll get Adley to do it with me. Sing the skip counting songs. That would be awesome. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. I picked these numbers so that there were three of everyone. Are we ready to talk? And then we we talked about why I used went to the fours rule. Um, And I and I want to point out that because I had these arrays here, they did see when I had so so in each case I'm sorting the numbers by these these numbers follow my rule and these numbers don't follow my rule. What am I sorting by? So they would have to say, oh, all of these over here, you can, they would say things like, you can get two by twos, or these two, these have a two, or th- that kind of thing. And then that's where I was pushing them towards the, let's use the word factor here. And then and then the kids who were like up on it, they're, you know, they start using that the next time. Um, but they did notice, somebody noticed that all these on this side, when we were doing fours, all these on this side have two and an even number. And all these on this side have also have two, but they have two and an odd number. The other factor was an odd number, like two and five or two and 15. So that helped me be able to say, look at this row, this array with two and eight and how you could chop that array in half and make the one below it. But look at like two and 15. If you chop the 15 in half, you're going to get an, you know a fraction amount and it's not going to make another a, a, a whole number array below it. So I think the the pictures helped me be able to say this is where the cut it in half and cut it in so half. So maybe came that's from. where I my downfall is is I I'm like, well duh. But <laughs> I haven't approached it with pictures. Visually, I just approached yeah. it with let me show you something that you may not know. Yeah. And so there wasn't them saying it. They didn't discover it. I just told them. Yeah. And it hasn't been beneficial. But you didn't mention three. You said two, five, ten, and four. Do you teach them three? Oh, friend, because we're not there yet. That this is, I, I thought maybe I'd do all this in one lesson. No, heck no. It's taken me two lessons. One, I'm like modeling for the teacher. So right. one was, um, you know, a good 20 minutes of this part. And then the next one was um, 15 minute station where we were reviewing what we'd already learned and start doing the next ones. I, we still haven't done three, six or nine. So what I suggested to her that we do next is sort them again by threes and, you know, they're going to say things. They're going to notice some things. You can get them by counting by three. Okay. But Yes, but they're not as obvious to know how you're going to tell if it's three. So I, I always like to put the number 123 on the board and say, how can I know like that, that this number is divisible by three? How do I know that? And they're, again, not going to know. So I told her to put, and this is where I'm open to feedback if anybody's got it. I told her to like list multiple, um, 
multiplication facts with three as a factor, like tons and tons of them on the board. One times three, two times three, three times three. Put the answer, Mm -hmm. you know, put the product and just go really, really far and say, do we see anything here? You know? So can you really tell by looking at a number that quick? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Can you? No. Oh. Yay, you're going to learn something new today. Well, maybe I can. I just don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a superpower you, I haven't learned yet. Yes. Yes. Um, you'll probably remember it when, when, when we reveal the... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I so, just couldn't tell if you were doing that for a dramatic effect or if you really could. No, I really can. So then I think I'm going to sit... I would say, like, look, here's a whole bunch. See if we see more, if we can tell how we know these are divisible by three. And... They're gonna still be like, I don't know. And so then I want the person, the teacher, to say, "Let's just try. Let's just try anything. Like just, just go crazy. Like anything you can think of. What if we like add the digits or something? You know, like it's a little bit walking them into it. But they're still gonna feel. Well, it's a lot. Let's try this exact thing. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's the only thing I can do that makes it still feel like they're discovering it. Do you have any better ideas? Mm, I don't because I was really anxious for how you were going to have them discover the yeah. rule for three. But they, but I think they still. But in my class, it could just be that someone knows it. Yeah. And when they're there, then yeah. boom, it came from a student. Yeah. So maybe I would use that set of threes. So here's the deal, Jay. If you, if like, for example, 24, what happens if you add the digits? What do you get? Six. What about 27? Nine. Uh, what about 30? Three. Do you notice anything about all of those? I do. Okay. What do you notice? I notice that if you add the digits together, all of those are divisible by three. Yeah. So that's that's the yeah, rule. I picked rule. up on the context clues. Yeah. Along okay. The way. Good. <laughs> well, there might be somebody because who doesn't I'm not know. In fifth grade. <laughs> there might be somebody who doesn't know, and so making the implicit gotcha. explicit, explicit right is right? good. So that's the best I got. I think it still feels like they're figuring it out, even though. You know. So it's not that quick if it's like six digits long. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. that's I agree. And, I mean, this is huge, but I always take it one step further because if it is six digits long and it equals, I don't know, a big number and you still don't know if that's divisible by three, you can add the digits in that one. And so oh, it's, does it equal three, six, or nine? Oh, when you keep going, yeah. keep going, keep going. If you keep adding the digits until you get to a single digit. That's cool. And that was from a student. That's cool. Because we, you know, you get this and you like, let's try these numbers. And so you put this giant number on the board and they add it up and they're like, I don't know if 84 is divisible by three. Yeah. Well, let's try it again. What's eight plus four? Yeah. Cool. So then I think to six then we're going to do six, which the rule is if it's divisible by two and three, then it's also divisible by six. And then we're going to do nine, which the fa- the sum has to be divisible by nine, not just three. I will say that, like, those are hard. They don't use them all correctly all the time, three, six, and nine. Um, there's a lot of mistakes that are made. But it gives you something to go back to mm-hmm. when they're like i don't know this number 51 i don't want to count by anything up to 51 what do you do you remember the threes rule no well let me remind you you know or let's look at our anchor chart that we made or that kind of thing so it's a strategy what else do we want to say about that so when you do the sieve of eratosthenes yeah if you are trying to figure out numbers just one to a hundred you would try two first okay okay and then after two, you'd probably do five. You'd have to do three, 
But then there are three numbers, 49, 77, and 91, that ha- are not divisible by two, three, or five. So they're still hanging out on the hundreds chart looking mm-hmm. prime. So my so to just make your statement, I'm trying to be precise, that it's not divisible by another prime number less than 10. Because it, like 77, is divisible by another prime number, 11. Oh, got you. Yeah, that's So all. the way that the sieve of Eratosthenes, I'm going to do the locker task that we talked about in the cool. last podcast Good. this year. But, um, so when I start prime composite numbers, um, because I'm in a Christian school, I use it as a lesson also on bullying. And okay. we talk about... Um, Prime numbers think that they are all that in a bag of chips. I actually have a poster on there that says prideful primes. And students, I pick four students, they go out in the hallway and they come in with this little wand and a, I don't know, some kind of a costume from my closet and they eliminate their multiples. So two stands there with his wand and kind of just shakes it at the board And my PowerPoint crosses off all the even numbers. So two sits down. Three comes in, and I say, with your very best haughty attitude, eliminate all the multiples of three. Mm -hmm. Same thing with five. And so when seven comes in, seven eliminates 49, 77, and 91. And then we talk about, look, they don't have, they're left with one and themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've spent their life thinking they were better. And that's sometimes what happens when you're a bully in middle school. Yeah. You spend your life looking down your nose at someone thinking you're better. And you grow up to adulthood and you're like, how come no one likes me? Mm-hmm. Um, so then we talk about what seven took out those last three. And you either have to know the divisibility rule for seven or you have to memorize those yeah. Three, because let's be honest, 91 shows up on every single test yes. is this number primer composite. Yes. Um, and the divisibility rule for seven is gross. It is. Man. I mean, it's cool that it works. Yeah. But it's not something that you just look at. So the divisibility rule for seven is that you double the last digit. So I always use 343. Okay. So I would double the last three and make it six. Cover it up. And do 34 minus 6. And 34 minus 6 is 28. And 28 is divisible by 7. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it is crazy. Cool, but... Yeah. And we always talk about, like, somebody figured that out. Yeah. That is cool. pretty awesome. And so then someone always says, well, what about 49? Well, when you double the 9, you get 18. And mm-hmm. 4 minus 18 is negative 14, and negative 14 is divisible by 7. Mm. And cool, it kind of takes Bang. us into that works. negative. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just a cool math. Maybe one or two kids are like, hey, you know? Yeah. And then you just feel smart that you know it. Yeah. All right. So feel smart, Jay, because you I'm know how to know smart. if a number is divisible. Right. I mean, just from knowing that, I feel smart already. Yeah. So, the visibility rules. I think. I'm going to be going around all day seeing if the stuff's divisible by three and then seven. See, kind of like how Ruth counts by prime numbers. I 
I often find myself trying to figure out if a number is divisible by three. I do that a lot. Yeah. So, but I just now bit at that. I was actually lying. I'm not going to be doing <laughs> that today. Well, I do. Um, okay. So you had a question about your pacing guide or your scoping yes. sequence. Yes. So we have changed our objectives. We are, I mean, we do it every five years, evaluate where we are. And um, we are moving stuff. So I have gotten all these new objectives that I have to cover, but I also have a class that didn't have the new objectives last year. And so have you gotten rid of much? I have. Okay, good. So um, it's a gap year. It's like you, you, you're working with a gap in, in what they've learned and what you yeah. need to. Right. So I have to fill it and, you know, which ones are most important to fill it. So one of the things that I have to do is the computa- the four computations of decimals and the four computations of fractions. Okay. And I talked to the fifth grade teacher yesterday and students were taught and tested all operations of decimals, oh. but not, they were taught multiplying fractions by a whole number and they were taught reciprocal. So they have a little bit of multiplication and division of fractions. And so I'm really like, do I teach addition and subtraction of decimals and fractions simultaneously? Looking at the relationship between them each time we add them, talking about whether or not you'd rather add this as a fraction or if you'd rather add it as a decimal. Huh. Or do I teach them like I have in the past? Separate. Separate. Yeah. And typically I've done all of decimals, add, subtract, multiply, divide, and then all of fractions. Yeah. With mixed numbers. So I don't know. I your your idea about which in in which form is this easier to multiply or, or, or to do the operation, that's interesting to me. Um and I think it would you could get to the point where it would make your connection between fractions and decimals really strong. I just don't know. I, so basically we're put, I was not willing to answer this question on the podcast. <laughs> and so I said, let's put the question out there. And then if there's somebody, I mean, I've never heard of anyone teaching all the operations to get, you know, together, but mm-hmm. maybe there's somebody who has, who can give us some insight. So we want to hear from you if that's you. We do. And it's okay if, this is a couple months past when we broadcasted this because yeah. this is not first on my scope and sequence. Yeah. So please don't think, oh, she's already done it and doesn't want to hear. No. And plus you'll probably teach again next year. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we said we might end with talking about integers. Um, okay. So I have a teacher who's going to be teaching this for the first time, integers for the first time, because she's got the 5A cluster, which means some kids who are in her class being tested and learning the fifth grade stuff, but they're also supposed to be introduced to the sixth grade stuff, and integers is in sixth grade for us. Um, and so I just met with her to kind of make sure she had a grasp on the content. Um, she's, you know, gung-ho to do it and and is – a quick 
she's very receptive and quick learner, you know, so I was just kind of like giving her the background. So I looked in Vandewall and in the Vandewall book and some of the big ideas. You want me to just give you like the quick version of what Please. I gave her? Okay. So that the in- integers involve two concepts. And I knew this, but I didn't, I couldn't have articulated it. The idea being that an integer involves a magnitude, like an amount and a direction. So when you think about your models you need to think about how is the magnitude shown and then also how is the direction shown. So the two main models for integers are the number line model and then the chips model, uh, the red and yellow chips, counters, whatever. And so the magnitude is shown by like how long your bar is or your arrow is on the number line. Um, the magnitude of the number is shown by how many chips there are for the the chips. And then the direction is clearly shown by like which direction you are zero but the direct on the number line but the direction air quotes is shown by the color Mm -hmm. on the chips so that was like oh i i needed to hear all that to and you might have instances where if you're going back and forth between models you might need to help make help kids make those connections that was cool um just the definition of integers being positive counting numbers their opposites and zero and the the our standard of learning say that zero does not have an opposite. That's how it it labeled it. Um, and then the idea that real life contexts help students understand integers. So I think like that was the thing that was kind of brought home to me when I was reading and getting prepared for this was that don't just jump straight into like let's model it build on the context that they know or even build on context that if they don't know you could develop for them and it could make sense so in the Vandewall book there were one six different contexts and this isn't all the contexts um but two of them are quantity they they called it quantity context and four of them are linear which was interesting so golf scores being and being over or under par was mm-hmm. one. I'll go through them quickly. Um, bank accounts, like debts and payments, right? Those were the quantity amounts. So mm-hmm. those are all counts of something. And then these next four are the linear, which are generally seen on some kind of line or timeline or number line or whatever. So temperature, um, altitude, like above and below zero. Timelines work that way, like how the year zero and then, you know, we say 2000 BC, but we could also have called it negative 2000, mm. you know, um, and then football gains and losses, which I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that one. The teacher and I tried to like figure it out and we didn't know enough football well <laughs> to get it right. But some kids that would really be like the hook for them. So then I just shared a couple of resources with her Um I really like something that I saw Patsy Sellers do, who was our on my team a couple years ago, where she made them each kid make a timeline about themselves, where zero is the year that they were born. And then they had things on the positive side, which like what happened when you were one, what happened when you were two, what happened when you were three. But then they had things on the negative side. What happened at negative one, that's one year before you were born and negative two. So like your parents got married at negative five, you know, um, that kind of thing. Hmm. And and they really made awesome. they made she gave them a like a poster ish small poster size thing cut 
skinnier and they're just so she posted them they were just so cute i loved the that's things. a cool idea yeah that's really cool and they had to go home and talk to their family about because they don't remember what happened before they were exactly. born exactly right so, so hmm that might ha- that might be my um math project yeah. like my i loved it differentiated they were assessment. fun to look at so just real quick that reminded me of something that i did with it i have these cards and they're Pick just pictures. There's no numbers of stuff like you were just talking about, like a temperature with someone freezing or a picture of a thermometer with someone freezing and a picture of someone like fanning themselves because it's so hot. A golf. You're really sad and you're really happy. Okay, Um, I'm remembering this. Right. And so there's like 10 cards and you just give them to the students and you just say sort them. Yeah. And some kids sort them in groups of two because they're both have to do with golf. But some kids sort, these are the happy ones and these are the sad ones. Yeah, okay. And then we, you know, talk about how each of those would be on a number line with integers. And it's a really interesting discussion when they are sorting them Did you make that? I did, and I forgot about it. And so when you said that, I was like, oh, I have matching cards in my closet. I gotta find them. You need to share that with me sooner rather than later so I can share it with the teacher that I'm working with. (laughs) Matching cards today. I'll write that right here on my list. Not two weeks from now when I'm doing the um, show notes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, And then I'm going to put, I made a little list of notes to like, so when I met with the teacher, I had some talking points. So Mm -hmm. I'll share this, but um, mainly Mainly, I just found from Open Up Resources, which I think, isn't that illustrative, illustrative, however you want to say it, illustrative, I don't know, <laughs> um, mathematics. I found a, a lesson, and I linked, I'll link to that, that I thought was, you know, just if you'd never taught it before, it was a good place to start. Um, okay. Is so, that all I get? Uh, like, you can look, look at the link. You okay. can look at, I don't know. <laughs> it. I think Can't it. Did you find it from that, Ruth? Well, I'll, I'll just tell you that it had. Hit up the mid That's some, them. I kind of did. Um, it has some pictures of altitude kinds of things and and temperature kinds of things. Okay. So if you didn't want to go looking for where do I find okay. images that could be our starting point for those, that's what that's what I found helpful in there. There was other stuff. Okay, so look at the resources, but I, nothing was like jumping out at me. So okay. I'm sorry I, you didn't that's get right. much. You got a timeline out of that conversation. Come on, I did. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see how that, her beginning of that goes. And then we'll move into modeling next, and then she'll move into addition and subtraction. That's as far as she has to go with integers. Okay. So then just take me one step further because I have to do that addition and subtraction, but I also have to do multiplication division. So do you just go in that? I mean, I'm excited because we did that whole multiplication division at the end. And so I'm excited to be able to do it at the beginning. But I also can't take up a lot of time with integers because I have so much to cover. Right. Yeah. um, And the rest of it. And so we're going to do integers and then we're going to go into graphing. So I took that data book so I could look at case studies. So wait, you're doing integer operations. I guess you're not doing any whole number operations, right? You're not. Mm -mm. Okay. I mean, you should have it's it. gone. Like when you're in sixth grade, of course, we're going to talk about it. And those whole number operations will definitely come up in number talks because okay. they have to have it. And that's what the pre-assessment is for, yeah. right? Yeah. So my pre-assessment question, 
I think is going to be Mrs. E has $300 and she spends $161 on flexible seating in her classroom. Uh-huh. How much money does she have to ask for in order to spend $227 on something toys? Yeah. You know, for I Love Math Day. And so I want you to do it concretely. I want you to do it representationally. And I want you to do it algorithmically. And hopefully I'm going to be able to find the students who have some kind of an addition strategy or subtraction strategy. Mm-hmm. And and what we talked about was that you'll know how they model it, which mm-hmm. will affect your how you model with integers and how you model with fractions and decimals and all that. Cool. Okay. That is nice that you're in sixth grade and hopefully – fingers crossed not don't have to do too much um whole number operation we all know that they have holes so number talks and yeah number talks are a good place to fill them all right moving on i think we're at our time to do our takeaways takeaway that word was not coming to me (laughs) all right who's got one Oh, I totally have one this timeline of birth i'm already thinking about the rubric and how i can turn this into um a project, and then I can be the first one to put something in the hallway. Good for you. So, awesome. We should hit up Patsy Sellers and see. Yeah, what she's we got. should for sure hit up Patsy Sellers and ask her if she has that rubric. Like, how many things did you have to have on it? Yeah. Okay, I'll ask her. Okay. How about you? Well, the um, I guess I've been sitting here thinking, when in real life do you need all of the um? Rules for is divisibility it, for rules. Divisibility. When you have five kids, you need to know if you can evenly divide something by seven. Because it's you and your gotcha. wife and your five kids. But we don't have five kids. Yeah. That's what I know Chase thinking. Well, no, I'm, I mean, yes, I was thinking. But, <laughs> I just, you know, just, and I'm not saying, and I, I'm not trying to be smart. Like, who's ever going to need that? But I, I was trying to figure out, you know, when in my daily life am I going to think, wait, can I divide that by seven? Well, or hey, will that go three ways? You yeah, know, just things like that. And and I'm not saying I don't have any. I just that's that's what I'm going to be instead of sitting around trying to make things divisible by three or seven or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know that that may pop into my head like, oh, here I am using divisibility in an everyday activity. Well, I have one. Okay, which is like you have some big thing and you're going to cut it into pieces if you. Like I'm picturing when we've cut wood for wreck and wrecks or cut whiteboards, any of those things that you're going to cut into pieces, if you think about how many inches long it is mm-hmm. and can I cut it into three equal pieces or can I cut it into four equal pieces and not have a, some leftover chunk that I have to like slice off at the end. Gotcha. See, that's that's a little more real world relevant. Than seven kids or seven, five no, kids. For me, that, that yeah. makes sense. I like yeah. that. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, my, so you just reminded me what my takeaway is going to be from your takeaway and something I wanted to say that I didn't say yet. Um, this same teacher that I'm meeting with, with integers asked me because in her regular class, she's teaching prime and composite. Like that's what her five, five, fifth grade kids are doing. And, um, she was like, why do we have to know prime and composite? Why? What's the reason? Why? 
And I said to her, well, in my real life, the reason I need to know priming composite is because if I get a class of 23 kids, I'm stomping my feet all day long because 23 kids, there is no way to group them in equal groups. And, you know, if you have 22, then you could group them in twos. If you have 21, then you can put them in threes. But or sevens. Yeah, or sevens. Exactly. But 23 is annoying. And she was like, oh. You're exactly right. And she was like all of a sudden okay with prime and composite numbers. And all of a sudden she was annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? We had 23 um, or 19. But that was what she needed to be able to make a connection to it, which is why like picking something that you know about, which is like chopping things in half, (laughs) you know. (laughs) That's um, my specialty. Guys. Yeah. Chopping things in half. <laughs> yeah. Hi-ya. So I guess my point is if you can get to know your students well enough, but then at the same time, you have to know the math well enough to know those contexts. You and know? this is another plug for it's okay to ask the teacher who teaches three or four maths ahead of you. Oh, yeah. Why do we have to know prime numbers? Yeah. Well, because when you're using the quadratic equation, or when you're doing prime factorization, yeah. you know, even if you don't understand where it is, the fact that they are leading up to this and they need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. The math going ahead of you. Cool. All right. See, that works for when another teacher asks you. It doesn't work for when your husband asks you. Right. I don't care about the quadratic equation. <laughs> yeah, you're not going back to learn that again. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'll, I think we're good. I can't wait to hear about how integers goes next week, the beginning of it, right? Will you have to, well, not, you we might not be there. do the week of oh. inspirational math. Okay, good. So, so. after your um, assessment, you're going to be do a week of inspirational math. That's kind of smart because then you got a whole week to assess your stuff. Right. I don't you know that going. I'm, I mean, we're going to do the assessment on Monday. We might do four days of week of inspirational math. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I feel like those are long and you might not even really get through four complete lessons. You might do four days, but yeah. Yeah. All right. It's been real. I'll see you on a run. Okay. Okay.